Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Play Leighton Orient. Oh my. And, and also Ford Nolden. Oh nice. And then hey, there's that, that, that 19 and under England team. England England can't stop winning games. England, England. That's right. 17 year level where it really matters. Hey, hey, they've they become 23s and they start winning. God, we're um <laughs> we're we're IX of international football. There you go. There you go. Positivity. <laughs> Look we're at Wes Bradshaw. A former world power who's now relegated to the occasional run with the youth players and then all our best players, instead of selling them off, they put on the senior England shirt and just <laughs> become crap. <laughs> kind of like this podcast. Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 166. We, we were a fantastic youth team, weren't we? We were. That was, that we was were years good. ago when we were we still were doing high school football. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall in crime. Wes Bradshaw here to break down uh, a little bit of what's going on in the world of soccer. Plenty of transfers to get to in news and notes. Uh, we will talk very briefly about Gold Cup before finishing off our 2016-17 uh, Premier League grades. Our yearly grades done in record time. This is this is definitely a first for us and, and a best for us in terms of getting these done. The preseason's only just started and we're finally finished. I know. So good. Uh, and then we have Watch 4 and Sora, as always. And this podcast, speaking of being always, is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. As well as I'm Next USA. If you want to be the next pop star that has babies with Jay-Z, please visit I'm Next USA and get your pop star profile complete today. All right, Wes, let's start with a little bit of Gold Cup talk. And as we do this very podcast, uh, the United States are, are, as the kids used to say, locked up in a tight one with Martinique right now. That, that big, big, yeah, sure. back, 
Big nil-nils. This comes after their 1-1 draw earlier uh, this week against Panama. Uh, Dom Dwyer with the goal and that one for the U.S. Uh, That was early in the second half, but Miguel Camargo uh, got the equalizer for Panama. And really, for long stretches of that game, Panama was in fact the better team and probably should have won and beaten the U.S. on the night. But the U.S. did rescue a point um, and they currently sit in the live table live as you're listening to this, at least on Thursday, uh, at one point and third place in the group. Uh, If if they can get a win against Martinique, um, that will be great. However, that has not happened as of yet. They are still uh, as far as I saw, uh, nil-nil uh, against Martinique. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope. The U.S. has scored. So, yay. Yay. Um, so, Wes, we're not going to talk too much about this. This is also apparently a tournament where Canada are now becoming world beaters and uh, Mexico look like the tournament favorites, even though. And, and let's just let's just politicize this and say that the Gold Cup is the CNN of tournaments. Oh, because I don't know where you're going with this. It's a false cup, Ed. These aren't the real teams. It's a false cup. Are it's you a, saying you, it's a fake cup, Ed Green? These aren't the real players. This is a fake. Are cup. you saying? Are you saying it's a false table? It's a false table, Ed. Bringing it back to soccer. False table. All right. Um, now a lot of people. Um, we're maybe a little bit critical, and this is all we're going to talk about in the Gold Cup. We're a little bit critical of Panama uh, beating the United States 1-1, or drawing the – felt like a loss. Um, some people pointed out to the United States playing basically a B-side and saying, eh, it's, you know, what the Gold Cup is for. Um, what do you take out of the United States drawing Panama 1-1 in Nashville, Tennessee? Um – I mean, let's put it this way. I made my CNN reference for a reason. Um, I mean, it's it's a cup, but I mean, like you said, it's it's so far it's so far down the totem pole of cups. I mean, it's not even really like the league cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was the league cup, then you know Mexico and the U.S. would get to the final and then bring in their A squads to try to win it. I mean, this is kind of like was it the Johnson Paint Cup or something in England? Oh, very nice. Basically, the main or the Checker Trade Cup, I believe it's called. Whatever. Or basically, the main teams don't even play in it. I mean, for this specific tournament, yes, it's disappointing for the U.S. One-one tied to Panama, having trouble with Martinique. In the big view of things, I don't think it really means anything. I think, you know, yes, Bruce Arenas would like to win this, sure. It's a cup. It's a title. But I think at the end of the day, I think Bruce Arena's main goal in this is, all right, guys, we're giving you a chance to go out there. You know, you're getting at minimum, was I think, three matches minimum. Mm-hmm. And then whatever the knockout stage you do, you know, this is your chance to prove to me, hey, you know, I belong on the A squad. I belong in your very serious Russia plans. I think, I think Bruce Arena's probably has – 15 of his 23-man roster maybe locked up mm-hmm. in Russia. I might be I might be a little low on that number. I'm just going to say 15. And there's still spots open. And, you know, there's guys who maybe play on the main national team at this point who they may have a leg up. 
But at the same time, Bruce Arena's like, all right, guys, hey, you young guys, I'm giving you a chance to go out there and you know, show me show me that I need to give you a harder look going into the World Cup here. So, I mean, that's really what this is for the U.S. players is more it's a proving ground. Certainly. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and that's, so that's For them, yeah. I mean, if they underperform, they're just – they're not doing any favors for anyone. Excuse me. Uh, they're just hurting themselves. Yeah, and that's what some t- players did uh, in that Panama game. Some still look pretty good. Um, but that is that is going to be the key factor going forward is is can players make their stock improve uh, as we start to look towards 2018 in Russia. Again, the United States still do have to lock up that qualification spot to get to Russia, um, but they have been looking better as of late. Uh, the Panama game, notwithstanding, just uh, the Panama game was worrying in the sense that the effort wasn't there, I think, a lot of times. And that's that's something that I think I criticized a lot. And at the back end of Jurgen Klinsmann's tenure was a lot of guys weren't playing maybe as hard as they could. So it's a little worrying to see guys who, as you said, Wes, are trying to prove themselves kind of fall into that same pattern. Um, not everybody did. And I wasn't, that's not the entire team that went out there against Panama. Um, but there were definitely some guys who maybe weren't giving it 100%. And that's that, to me, would be worrying um, from a, a depth standpoint for the U.S. going forward. Because I think, I think there is a good, really good core that you're not even seeing right now. Like Pulisic isn't there. Yedlin's not there. Um, guys like that. So it, it, it's... I, I want to see how they respond, and I want to go back and look because obviously we're recording this as the game is going on. So it'll be interesting to see. Oh, and uh, wow, it's uh, 2-1 now since we've started this conversation. Jeez, the goals so, are flopping. Yep, uh, t- U.S. went up 2-0, uh, Jordan Moore scoring, and then Kevin Parsemon uh, just two minutes later in the 66th minute has brought Martinique back within one. So that's that's what you want to see. The United States is when you have a team up 2-0, not burying them away. But what do we say, Wes, about 2-0 leads? Oh, God, it's, uh, it's the most horrible lead in the world to have. It is. It is. The United States proving that again tonight, apparently. Um, we'll see if they can keep Martinique at bay. Um, but, yes, 2-1 currently, and I'm sure you guys already know the score. Um, so the United States, if they can hold on to this lead, they will join Panama uh, at the top of Group B with four points. Um, and right now they're at a plus-one goal differential, so it's going to come down to more tiebreakers than that. Uh, United States in their last match will be playing Nicaragua, and that match is on Saturday um, over in Cleveland. Because nothing bad has ever happened in Cleveland, ever. God, except, like, everything. Don't forget yeah, the river except... actually burned in Cleveland. <laughs> the river. Cleveland rocks. Um, all right, so that's going to do our quick Gold Cup review. Premier League team grades, we're going to finish them off right now. Uh, we have our final six. And in number six, it's a team that is still going to be going to the Champions League, and that is Manchester United. And, and Wes, I'll say this before I give my grade, and then I'll let you you kind of talk about them, because I know we, uh, these six teams, we're going to have a lot to talk about on them. I mean, not that uh, we have any opinion whatsoever. Of course not. Of course not. Just like we have more opinions on Burnley than these six teams. That just That's a joke. Um, you, Manchester United, 
finishes one spot lower than last season. They did get three more points in last season this year under first-year manager for them, Jose Mourinho taking over for Louis van Gaal's army. Um, they they win the League Cup, though. They win the Europa League final against Ajax. They're heading back to the Champions League. They had a three-quarters of a great season from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They've now said goodbye to Wayne Rooney. Mm, goodbye, everybody. This is all I'll say about them, and then I'll, I'll let you talk. Them and another team we're going to talk about later received criticism in, like, the exact opposite directions. Manchester United this year won two trophies and got themselves in the Champions League. And all we we did it. A lot of people did it. Everybody wanted to talk about, oh, that's this is crap football. This is horrible to watch. They're they're not aggressive. If Zlatan's not there, they're not really scoring goals. This, that, and the other. They're just playing very unattractive football. Just fuck them. And then you have on the other spectrum, the team in second place, we'll get to later, Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, yeah, they play attractive football. They score a lot of goals. They don't give up that many goals. They win a lot of games. Yeah, but they didn't actually win any trophies this year. Fuck them. So all I'm going to say to that is... I just love how English it is that that we have to bend our own logic to fit our anger narratives. That that it's it's there's no logical consistencies there. I understand both in a vacuum, but when you have them literally almost side by side in the table, it's just a funny juxtaposition. So I will I will let you go ahead and um, and talk wax poetic. On, on, on the Scousers. Those aren't Scousers, those are Manx. I know, that's right. coming later. Right. That's coming later. Well, I mean, we're talking about United, right? Yeah. yeah. Those are the Manx, those aren't Scousers. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. You're going to be able to talk about them later, but now, talk about United. And just to, just to add something on to what you were saying, as none other than an English expert by the name of Roger Bennett, The thing about Englishmen is the mark of a true Englishman is that you're more excited for your enemy's failure than you are for your success. (laughs) Never forget that when we talk about English things. (laughs) Manchester United. And I don't think there is a more difficult team in the Premier League to try to grade than Manchester United. I mean, let's, let's, let's start with Let's start with the highs of United this season. I believe it was, what, a 23-match unbeaten streak? I believe so. Was it, yeah. it was somewhere in the low 20s. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but an unbeaten streak that lasted literally months. Mm-hmm. And, but then there's the high. Then the opposite side of it, they couldn't get out of sixth place even doing that. <laughs> okay. Um you know, a, a team that uh, had a renewed um, excitement going into this season, a renewed vigor. You know, they had the manager that they had, they thought they had wanted for a long time. I, I still can't figure out if United fans are happy with Mourinho or not. Um, you know, the old, the old school ones want to say how much they hate Mourinho, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, God, it's, it's such a weird situation. So they had that, but then... You know, quickly the luster kind of wore off when they realized, oh, we're literally playing like a mid-2000s Chelsea side. 
who those same United fans absolutely hammered and hated in that era because of the style of football they played. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a Manchester United who obviously for 20, for a quarter of a decade, or a quarter of a century, quarter of a decade, that's not very long, quarter of a century played some of the most attractive, attacking, high-branded football in the world. And that's the way that they, that's the way that they see themselves is in the mold of what Alex Ferguson did, who as much as I hate Fergie, I, even I can't sit here and, you know, really <laughs> criticize the way the guy managed. I mean, his his United teams were nothing short of amazing a lot of times. Um, so, you know, you kind of – they've kind of gotten into this issue now where, okay, the results have gotten a little better, but you're still playing like this – now you're still playing what you call this really defensive, really conservative – um, sitting back brand of football that you hate. So, I mean, there's just so many, so many layers to this United cake this year. You know, they signed the world record transfer in Paul Pogba, who comes in and literally, you know, we talked about this last summer. If I'm setting the world transfer record, I want a guy who's going to be able to come in and score 30 or 40 goals so I can tangibly see that this guy is worth the world record. Mm-hmm. And we knew Pogba wasn't going to be that guy. That's not his game. That's not what he's there for. Um, but when United couldn't score, you know, the whole thing about Pogba is, well, you know, Pogba's so dangerous in the attack, and he'll he'll set up as many goals as he scores, if not more. They didn't score goals this year. Yeah. As you said, without Zlatan Ibrahimovic, they and, – and there's another there's another crazy kind of catch-22 – that we'll get to in a moment. But, you know, so you've got Pogba. And there were some games where Pogba looked like, okay, this is the Paul Pogba from Juventus. And then there were some matches where Pogba literally disappeared and was played off the field by guys who, you know, you could probably buy for three million pounds. And then the Zlatan, the Zlatan thing comes up. Where here's Zlatan who comes to England. Oh, he'll never succeed in England. He succeeded in England. Get it straight, journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, scored 20-plus goals. But then there was a problem with Zlatan scoring. You go, well, when he plays, you know, they don't play that attacking brand of football. They, you know, they rely on getting it in the box and Zlatan making magic happen. Well, the problem was then that no one else was really able to contribute. So even with their best score on the field, People were mad because things just weren't going the United way. United came in with so much hype on the season. Mourinho, Ibrahimovic, Pogba, world record signing. That truly, and you know, I mean, hey, you look back at it, I, I bought into it. I bought into some of that. I picked them to win You picked them all. I think I picked them to finish second or third. Glad they didn't. <laughs> um, I would gladly be wrong on that. But, um, you know, here's a team that had the hype, looked like they were going to be major players, and then just could never find – you know, I'm not going to say they couldn't find consistency because they obviously found consistency. They just couldn't find wins. They were mm-hmm. really – United was really good at getting a 1-1 this year. Yeah. Um, and while in the Premier League they looked so 
I want to say average. You know, then when they got into Europe, and I'm not going to hate here, I do think they took advantage of maybe a weaker Europa this year than we've had the past few years. And I'm not just saying that as a Liverpool fan, but, I mean, you look at what Liverpool went through last year. I mean, God, we had to go through Dortmund and then Sevilla. Mm -hmm. United didn't play anybody close to Dortmund or Sevilla in the Europa League. But that said, they went and they took care of business in the Europa League and they win it. And they get that automatic birth into the Champions League. You know, they win the um, – was it the – what did they win? They, was it the uh, – it was the League, League Cup. League Cup, yep. League Cup. Yeah, I mean, they beat Southampton, but, you know, as we've kind of come to know, the League Cup is kind of like, uh, okay, cool. Hmm. I mean, it's silverware. But then it's like you've got United fans who are so damn excited just to throw in someone's, oh, we won two trophies. Yes, but they're two trophies that your own manager has trolled people for winning. Especially <laughs> the true. Europa one. I mean, especially Europa, yeah. where, you know, he's made such a stink in the past about, uh, about you know, Rafael Benitez winning Europa when he was at Chelsea and how, you know, that trophy's so beneath him and this year was the most important trophy in the world. So... I mean, at the end of the day, here's the thing. It, I think if we're great, if we're giving United a Premier League grade, mm -hmm. I think they're Premier League grade, even though they finished sixth. I think they get a D in the Premier League. Okay. Um, but you know, we're doing season. We're doing your season here, your whole season. At the That's end of the great. day, they did win two trophies, three if they really want to get technical and try to, you know, act like it meant something <laughs> to win the Community Shield. Um, so congratulations, you know, you won the treble. Um, <laughs> so I think that kind of balances it out some. Because your ultimate goal was to qualify for the Champions League. They did that. They won Europa. They qualified for the Champions League. Um, and they won the League Cup. I believe they, they had a pretty good run in the FA Cup. Did they get knocked down the semis of the FA Cup? Uh, quarters they lost to Chelsea. Quarters, that was it. That was, I knew it was. I knew it was the Chelsea. I couldn't remember if it was the semis or the quarters. So I mean, they had a solid run in the FA Cup. And I think for that, I think with their cups, you've got to give them about a B plus. So I think you know we're going to go with the old average. Yet I think it was a C year for United. Okay. At the end of the day, I give them a C, not a C minus, not a C plus. I give them a C, and. You know what? For United, that's that's not good enough for Manchester United. No, I agree. And, and as we see this summer, I mean, they're obviously they're they're going balls to the wall trying to improve. Um, you know, the, the other thing is you you've still got the Mourinho factor. I mean, you're on to year two, which means yeah. uh, in, in in Mourinho years, <laughs> you're already two thirds through this run. <laughs> so. Um, you know, you got to see how that goes. Rooney's on the way out of town. So there is there is definite um, changing of the guard at United. This is a new era at United. This is the post-Wayne Rooney era. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and, you know, Mourinho's getting to put his stamp on this team more and more. This year, I think, I think last year there was so much hype, just so much around Pogba, Ibra, and Mourinho – I think this year is going to be a much more important year for United, especially considering they're back in the Champions League. Um, mm -hmm. And 
you know, you sated the fans with two trophies in year one. But they're they're quickly going to be expecting more, especially now with the signing of Lukaku. I'm going to say I'm going to end up giving them a B because I think that those two trophies do mean something, especially in Josie's first year. Um, there there was a lot of drama that went on. There was, you know, if we go back, there was the McTarian saga where early on he was coming back from injury and wasn't getting playing time, and then he got hurt again. Um, there was what is Mourinho doing with Marcus Rashford? Uh, what is he doing with Juan Mata? There was, there was a lot of josiness going on this season for United. And, and I think all of that does take away from even as bad as their their league finish was, they had to bring in a lot of guys. They're trying to reintegrate a lot of different players, you know, into one system being Zlatan and Pogba, who kind of do different things. And with Mourinho trying to play his style of ball with that, it, it was going to be a process. So I think the fact that they got two trophies out of it and one of them gets them into the Champions League next year is a great success. And the only reason I'm not putting them higher is because of all the drama that w- went around them. I almost went down to a B minus because of that. But I think you said it best. Expectations will be skyrocketing back in the red side of Manchester next year. And that's when either Mourinho will strong will build his stronghold and they will meet expectations or that house of cards is going to crumble. That's that's the only two scenarios in play for United next year. And here um, at the Foreign Affair Podcast, we are obviously pulling for the latter. Of course, it's more fun that way. Um, also, it's three two USA over Martinique right now. Jesus God, <laughs> kind of insane. Um, speaking of changing of the guards, though, uh, one didn't happen with our fifth place team after the end of the season. To maybe a bit of a shock from some people here, maybe not so much from others. Uh, that fifth place team was Arsenal, and that is their their finish the first time out of the the first four in a good long while. Um, Seventy five points on the season. Twenty plus years. A tw- Twenty plus years, almost the entire Premier League era, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Close. Not, close. not quite, but close. Um, Arsenal, you know, with you saw the banners, you saw the sky writing, you saw the planes flying over at the Emirates. Um, I, I Arsenal did win the FA Cup, so just like we gave United a little bit of credit for their trophies, we have to give them a little bit of credit. They did, they they did one part of the Arsenal treble. Actually, they guess they did two. They made the round of sixteen in the in the Champions League. And they made the uh, the FA Cup final and won it. Um, they did not get fourth, so they didn't get that part. Um, on a more serious note, this to me, this to me was a D season for Arsenal because, okay, they won the FA Cup against Chelsea in the final, a Chelsea team that kind of, I don't think Conte would want to admit that, but a team that had kind of already, I think, checked out for the summer uh, after winning the league. Um, they didn't just lose in the Champions League round of 16. They got straight up embarrassed by Bayern Munich. That was that was a bare bottom spanking, as the MIBs would call it. Um, they there was ups and downs in the Premier League. There was wins that they they just gave away. There's draws they gave away. 
Um, there were scorpion kick goals. There was celebration of scorpion kick goals that could have resulted in a win, but the celebration resulted in a draw. I, all in all, just a typical Arsenal season, I guess. Um, but this was... I'm not even putting any stock into the, oh, well, you finished behind Spurs. Nah, I don't, I'm, that's not even factoring into my grade. This was, this was a very down year for Arsenal. They will not be going back to the Champions League next year. And somehow, we still don't really know what Arsene Wenger's future is with this club. Nothing has really been clarified. I'm giving them a D, and I'm thrilled about it. I mean, you said others oh, been clarified. They gave another two years. Yeah. It, it well, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. We're giving him two years, and then we're going to be looking somewhere else. It's just, oh, we we'll go another two years, and you know, see what happens. Yeah, let, let me say this. I was um, I was catching up on uh, that, my G one my G one USA um, show, the New Japan show that we're going to talk about later mm. in the show on So Raw. And there, there was a moment. It's a match we're not going to talk about there, so I'll give you the quick synopsis. It was an eight-man tag, four on each side, and uh, four Bullet Club members. And they kind of got into a, a about a three-minute spot where they kept just tagging in and out into different guys, and no one would ever actually go in and fight. They just would tag in and go in tagging. In. Well, the crowd starts chanting, we want this, we want Fale, Fale, Fale. So they tag in Fale, and you think is going to fight, and then he just goes and tags somebody else. And they start saying, we want Yujiro, we want you. So they tag in Yujiro. Yujiro acts like he's going to fight, goes and tags somebody else. The venerable uh, play-by-play man, Jim Ross, the best ever, Ed, he made the point, he said, uh, he said, the one thing in the wrestling business that you don't want to do as a heel is give the fans what they want. Hmm. And I know I took a long way. I took a long route to get to that end, Ed. But I just wonder, does Vince McMahon have some stock in Arsenal? <laughs> Do we just not give the fans what they want? Because the fans uh-huh. want... Uh, they want Arsene Wenger to go away. Yeah. And Arsenal Football Club are like, we know what you want. But you know what? We're smarter than you. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they're hoping. <laughs> and you know what they say that is? Because that's what Arthur Maker tells them. Is I'm smarter than them. <laughs> um, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. You know, I was really high in the preseason on the Skadron Mustafi signing. I uh, was high on Granite Xhaka. I thought those mm-hmm. were two really good pieces. Mustafi came in, had issues staying healthy. Um, Thomas Vermalen. No, it wasn't Vermalen. No, no, no. It was uh, Lawrence Chelney, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Chelney missed a large chunk of time with, uh, with injury. Mustafi was in and out with injuries. And once again this year, the, Chelsea, the, uh, the Arsenal defense um, lets them down. Mm-hmm. They're let down at the back. You know, Hector Bellerin somewhat came into his own this year. But to me, Hector Bellerin is not, he's not really a defensive player, you know. He's, mm-hmm. he's one of those modern-day wing, um, you know, he, he's more like a wing back. He can fly, he can do things. Barcelona won him back, he's not going. Um, but, you know, Arsenal were so found out at the back. Oh, yeah. 
when when those two went down, when Mustafi, when Mustafi and, Coach, and Coach Elney were playing, you know, they were pretty darn good at the back, and they had some good they had some good moments. They did some good things, but when those two guys were not a hundred percent ready to go, they really really struggled. And once again, the Arsenal defense, you know, that, that's that's just that's the thing with Arsenal, is Arsenal will sign one guy, but just you know, they they never go and especially at the back, they never go and really strengthen overall. They'll get a guy. But what they need, they need to get two or three guys. They need depth back there. They've got to understand they're going to have injuries. Coach Elney has a history of injury. Mustafi had a history of injury. <clears throat> and all you had behind them was, what, Rob Holding, who was like 20 from Blackburn or something? Yeah, started the first Premier League game of the season. And, and I believe Callum Chambers until they sent him out on, on loan and – um, and then, of course, Granite Xhaka was – they brought him in, and he's just – he's like the Patrick Bateman of the Premier League. He's a psycho. <laughs> I mean, this guy can't keep himself out of, out of the book to do anything. I mean, multiple red cards this season. This guy's supposed to come in, and he's supposed to solidify you in the back uh, or in front of your back. <sighs> Arsenal, like Arsenal, make these flashy signings where they go out. I mean, look, they've already done it this summer. Um, you know, they've gone out, they've gotten Lacazette. Mm-hmm. The issue at Arsenal isn't scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Arsenal are kind of like Liverpool in that way, but that said, I think Liverpool have put themselves in a better position. I don't know if Liverpool have quite the star power right there in midfield when you talk about Ozil, and I don't think Liverpool quite have a Sanchez up front. But, I mean, when it comes to it, they leave themselves open at the back. And that's, in the end, that's their Achilles heel. That's how Munich puts 10 down in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal tried to make a run late in the year. They go to the back three, which kind of became the chic, sexy formation in the Premier League this year was to go with a back three. <clears throat> you know, when they, I don't know. I, I wasn't impressed with the run-in for Arsenal. But they played better. I don't really give them I don't really give them much credit for winning the FA Cup. You know, it's the problem with the FA Cup and Arsenal is that it's kind of, it's become more of like a fallback. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like we're saying, well, hey, at least they won the FA Cup. Who gives a shit? You know, you're you're Arsenal Football Club. I mean, it's it's nice to win the FA Cup. But when you try to just hang your hat on that instead of really trying to force something to either win the, win the league or win Europe, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Arsenal, you get a D, and that is only because you're running. You had a solid run in. That's the only reason you're getting the D from me this year. And that's right, you're getting the D from Ole Miss. Yeah, I was – there was a point – oh, I was going to say, when you were talking about their defense, I think – when when you see how they were found out at the back, they gave up 44 goals this year in the Premier League. Liverpool, a team we destroyed for their defensive prowess a lot of times this year, gave up 42 goals. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, it's – and, you know, another thing for Wenger is his record against – the top six. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. They padded. They got a few at the end of the season. 
Like we said, with that running, they got a few, but, you know, that's the thing with Arsenal. Arsenal in the past, they've even in the past, you know, they've struggled with the big big teams, but they've always, mm-hmm. they always beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And this year they weren't even doing that. I mean, they were just found out way too much this year. I was kind of expecting, you know, with Wenger staying, even staying, I expected to kind of see a culling at Arsenal this summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they signed like as it. I don't know if they're going to sign anybody else big, other than you know, uh, you know, a, uh, a seventeen-year-old striker from Ghana. Yeah. Because that's you know that's just kind of their typical thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still don't see the commitment to really getting better. I think Vinger is one of those managers who's been there so long that Vinger is like fiercely loyal to his players, mm-hmm. and sometimes. In the early 2000s, I think that worked because he had one of the best teams in the world. He doesn't anymore. He has a fifth, sixth, seventh best team in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And I still think they're going to, I think there's still a good chance they lose Alexis Sanchez before the opening day. Yeah. And if they do, I, I don't see them going, I think they will sign somebody. I don't see them getting anywhere near like for like. Mm hmm. And I can totally see them spending twenty million extra on a guy who is not going to come in and fulfill what they want. He'll have a big price tag, and it just it won't work because that's going to be a panic buy at that point for them. We'll wrap up Arsenal uh, with, as you mentioned, their record against the top six this year. Um, their only wins against the top six this year: Manchester United in the run-in, Chelsea. Was, which was their last defeat before they went on that 13-match unbeaten run midway through the season. And that was that was a Chelsea that hadn't still really figured it out yet. And that, that was, was, a, and that only was a United wins. who had mailed it in and were just focusing yeah. on your own. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, we talked about Liverpool's defense, and now that's who we're going to talk about. Liverpool in fourth place. Uh, they're back in the Champions League. They got to qualify for that group stage, but uh, they were they were going to do it. I believe in them. Um, played a lot of very exciting football this year. Um, as long as Sadio Mane wasn't in the Afcon um, or hurt, um, did have to deal with some injuries. Philip Coutinho, Roberto Firmino, uh, of course, Adam Milana injured a lot. Um, but when they came together, or when they played Tottenham, you could really see how good this team could be. And that's that was the scary proposition for clubs, is if you caught Liverpool on a good day, you were not going to win. Um, I'm going to give them a B, and I'm, I would have given them a B plus, even maybe an A minus, if they had held on to top three, they just they got pipped late by Manchester City. They dropped a few matches late on. They had that dreadful January where they got bounced from the league or the FA Cup and then lost in the semifinals to Southampton, the League Cup, which would have set up an epic League Cup final with United. Um, so, so I'm going to give them a B. We definitely saw improvement in Jurgen Klopp's first full year, second year almost with the club. Um, and, and you think that they're just a couple depth signings away from being a, a true full season title contender. And of course, they're going to have to do that 
if they do make it to that uh, uh, Champions League group stage uh, through the qualification process. Um, So I'm going to give them a B. I almost wanted to give them a better grade, but I'm going to stick to a B. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with no. that. No. Um, Liverpool season is... <laughs> Liverpool season reads like a novel. <laughs> uh, kind of like one of those, like, um, <laughs> like the great novels of the early 1900s in the United States. You know, these novels that start off with uh, these just explosive beginnings <clears throat> where, you know... Oh, they build, they build, they build, and great things. Liverpool, through December, showed themselves to be one of the best teams in the league. Showed themselves to be a legitimate title contender. If it wasn't for Chelsea going on that winning run they did, mm-hmm. Liverpool would have been top at the table at New Year's and would have been, in, I think, in a prime position to potentially win this league. Mm-hmm. Um you started to see the cracks in the draw with Sunderland, which was Mane's last match before the AFCON. Yeah. Um, which, if you go back and listen to this show, that was a very controversial one with a couple of really controversial penalties given to Sunderland to get that 2-2 draw. And then came the point of the novel, <laughs> <laughs> because we have to have a sympathetic figure, where everything just fell apart. The millionaires lost all their money. They went broke, and they went broke big time, and that was the month of January for Liverpool. Um, just mentally, for yours truly, a devastating month. <laughs> uh, not now the League Cup, not now the FA Cup. Um, I, do, I, believe we, I believe we got one point in the league in January. That sounds right. Which included losses to, I mean, all the losses in that month were teams that were in the relegation zone at the time. Um, and it was horrendous. Without, now, you know, this is also something people hear, but, oh, you didn't have Mane. We also didn't have Coutinho. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. So not only are you losing your best score, you're losing, you have your two best players on the shelf um, at a point of the year. Liverpool had some injuries at that time, and that is the point of the year where your depth is supposed to come into play because of the holiday season, because of those January congestions. And Liverpool, A, their depth was already being tested due to injury, and then you take out Mane, who was who hit the ground running, and I think if he had played an entire year, would have made a hellacious bid to be the PFA player of the year. Mm-hmm. In the league, I mean, he was when he was healthy. He was <clears throat> when he was healthy and he was playing. May have been the most influential player on a team in the league. It was just magnificent. Mane comes back from Afcon. Coutinho starts getting healthy. Uh, Lalana comes back from injury, and oh my God, it starts to click again. Liverpool start playing well again. You know, so the rise is coming back up. Oh man, they got oh they're finding it again. <laughs> and then the um, ah, these Sao Paulo dogs. Oh, no. uh, and, oh God, they're everywhere. At, at that point of the season, um, it, Mane went down with the injury. Uh, Jordan Henderson, it was kind of, you know, figured, all right, he's not coming back. Um, they lost that explosiveness. But then 
Liverpool suddenly got the toughness gene that was missing in January, mm-hmm. and they figured out how to grind out wins, and they figured out how to be that never-say-die team that, you know, with 10 minutes left in a tie game, you were like, all right, we're going to find something. Somebody's going to get an ugly tap-in. We're going to get a penalty. Something's going to happen to win, and Liverpool found a way to win. They found a way to put up enough points. They found their way into the top four. At the end of that novel, Ed, <clears throat> hey, you know, <clears throat> they never reached the heights they were again. But, man, they ended up all right. And Liverpool ended up all right. They end up fourth. They get the Champions League spot. That's exactly what they needed because that – getting the Champions League spot for Liverpool, I think, was more important than any of the other teams above them even getting that Champions League spot – because for Liverpool, <clears throat> it gives them the ability to go out and, you know, get a guy like Salah, potentially Virgil van Dyke, potentially Nabi Kanta, who are all guys who will be massive building blocks for the future of Liverpool. They're the guys. Liverpool had to get the guys who could put them over the top, and those are the guys that they're now in play for. So a huge, huge ending to that season for Liverpool. I'm going to do you a little better. I'm going to do them a B plus. Um, okay. I think if they had gotten top three, if they had really been able to make a, a cup run, uh, well, you know, if they, if they could have gotten and maybe gotten that uh, league championship, that league cup, mm-hmm. that could have bumped them into A territory. But yeah, uh, I agree. But I think a solid B plus for Liverpool this year. Because, I mean, when you look at it and you look at the rosters top to bottom of the top six, Liverpool might have been number six. And they mm-hmm. found a way to finish fourth. Yeah. So, for that, I think Liverpool overachieved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Klopp did a fantastic managerial job this year. And now a full season under Klopp, and you're starting to see what this team can do. Um, I think I think Liverpool finished well, and I think um, – I think the future, if they can get a few signings in, I think it's a bright future for the club. Um, real quick, from the start of 2017 to the end of February, that's a that was a two-month span, uh, Liverpool played seven league games. They got six points. Their lone win coming at home to t- against Tottenham. Um, this was also with a 3-2 home loss to Swansea, a 2-0 road loss to Hull, and a three-one road loss at Leicester um, on the last on the next last day in February. Now, of course, they rebounded after that and whooped Arsenal three-one, and then beat Burnley two-one at home. So they, they did right the ship, but that that was the part that if if you could have picked up a couple wins here and there in January, uh, this easily would have been a top three team, and maybe even. Um, maybe even could have challenged for second place. And uh, maybe even, who knows, thrown a little bit of fear and God into Chelsea as well. Um, but a team that was in third place, but didn't really throw that much fear into Chelsea this season. Uh, that was Manchester City. First year under head coach Pep Guardiola. A lot of first year under head coaches um, this season. Manchester City gets 78 points, two better than Liverpool to finish third place. Um, 23 wins, same as Arsenal. Um, 80 goals scored, good for third in the league. 39 goals given up, good for, I believe, fourth in the league. One, two, three. Yes, good for fourth in the league. So Manchester City had a good season, but they only made the FA Cup semifinals. 
They didn't make it very deep in the League Cup. They lost in comeback fashion against Monaco in, I want to say, the round of eight. Um, when really as good as Monaco was, we love that Monaco team. Probably should have beaten them and made it to the semifinals. Um, and then never really... Get, as I mentioned earlier, gave Chelsea much of a shout at the top of the table. I'm going to give Manchester City a C plus because they there were times when they looked just flat out amazing this year, but there was other times when they just looked like crap. And I think just it's hard to point to a place and say, well, yeah, we did good in that area, or yeah, we did good in that competition, like. They did finish top three in the Premier League, but Pep had never gone a season without winning a trophy either. So I, I can't give them more than a C plus. Pep Guardiola. <laughs> you you don't have any thoughts on him, do you, Wes? <laughs> uh, start off for City. I mean, like you said, very they were very up and down. The deal with City. City may actually have the best roster in the Premier League. They're very good. I mean, yeah. there's so much freaking talent that... I mean, it would take a monumental task to totally screw up City. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At this point. Um, which, which to me says, you know what? Uh, to me, that says, I don't think Pep Guardiola did much of a damn job this year. I mean, he sure didn't do anything that Pellegrini couldn't have done with that group. He probably he arguably stuck with Claudio Bravo and goal way too long when it looked like he wasn't going to cut in the league. But don't forget, I mean that was his hand chosen. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, all I have to say for Guardiola is welcome to a real league, big guy. People can talk all they want about oh Spain is so good. No, Spain's good at the top, and then they have some good teams under it. But the teams at the top in Spain are at such a different level. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They're better than the Premier League teams. There's no doubt about that. You know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, we've had the discussion before. I'd like to see what they'd actually do in a Premier League season. You know, drop them in and, hey, you know, let's, hey, boot out two of the uh, uh, promoted teams and drop in Real Madrid and Barcelona. Let's see what happens. I think it'd be a hell of a season. I think it'd be an eye opener for those clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then as we say, you know, Guardiola had. On to Bayern Munich, and don't get me wrong, the German league is a good league from 2 to 18. <laughs> at the top, it's a, but at, the, at its core, it's a one-team league because Bayern have that much more money, and they buy, they buy their own competition's best players. Yeah. So they, <clears throat> you know, Bayern are notorious for not only bringing in top players, but doing it at the, at the detriment of the other teams in their own league. So Pep Guardiola, for once, came in, and as we like to say in the United States when we talk football, Pep Guardiola got punched in the mouth maybe for the first time in his career. Yeah. And I don't think he, I don't think he really got back up from it very well. You know, third place, I mean, that's a minimum of where Manchester City should end, is in third place in this league. Mm-hmm. And City fans will tell you this was a poor season, and it was a poor season. Um, they got off to a really good start. I think they won their first six. 
And that, yep. God, they look unstoppable. They look unstoppable. But, you know, that's because Pep came in, and once again, Pep had better players. They were healthy. They were healthy. He had better players than everybody. And don't get it twisted. He didn't exactly start off with a murderer's row either. And mm-hmm. if we come back and look at that schedule, I don't think they played one of the top teams. Maybe they played Arsenal. But <laughs> I don't think they played one of the top teams in that first six. Um, and once once it got to the nitty-gritty, once, you know, the game started coming fast and furious, once he got into Europe, suddenly, man, that Guardiola magic just, oh, the fairy dust that supposedly Pep Guardiola had sprinkled on this club, it, it fell on deaf ears. It, it was, it was, dare I say, a little CNN-y hit. Oh, By the way, I hope CNN doesn't listen to this and blackmail us or anything. Yeah. It's something to lose what you and I have. <laughs> but anyway, um, they've all, uh, City have already gone out this summer and made some signings, made some good signings. They've obviously decided we really need to upgrade at keeper. Caballero is gone. caballero has gone to Chelsea, I think. I think Caballero signed to be their backup keeper at Chelsea. I think you're right. Um, So they're bringing, I believe it's Ederson, to a a goalkeeper world record fee. Um, Bravo, I guess, is going to be the backup. But, you know, for Guardiola, you know, this is Pep who last year kind of famously said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care about my guys tackling. That's not the way I play football. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, sweetheart. There's 19 other teams in the league who tackle and are going to lay your ass out. And that's exactly what happened to him. When City got outplayed this season, it was, it was mostly because they got out physical and they could not step up to the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm scared of City coming up this year because, you know, for all the shit I do talk about Pep Guardiola, I, I don't think he's a bad manager. I don't <laughs> think he's an idiot. You know, uh, he's already gone out. He obviously he's brought in a couple guys already that he that he thinks is going to help him. Uh, I, I doubt they're done with what they're going to do this summer. There is, uh, you know, there's the rumor out there that. Alexis might end up at City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about having too many attackers. Jesus God, that would be insane. But let's see what Guardiola adjusts to, because you know, I will say this: the guys he's brought in, those aren't guys who are looking to tackle either. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wonder if Pep tries to do another year of um, of this of this tiki taka Pep Guardiola football. You know, I could see City getting off to another really fast start and having another good end of the season. But the thing is, in Britain, tiki-taka does not work over the time when it gets cold and raining outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Case in point, there was this guy named Brendan Rodgers. Who? Well, you may remember him, he had great character. He did. And he loved great character. Brendan Rodgers is going to revolutionize English football by bringing in that Barcelona style. And what happened? As soon as it got ugly outside, Liverpool couldn't do anything. Now, what happened with Brendan Rodgers? He turned out to have, like, the guy who became maybe the best pure striker in the world at that time in Luis Suarez, and Liverpool literally became a counterattacking team. 
Mm-hmm. And the year they almost won the title, that was a counterattacking team that had Suarez, had Raheem Sterling, had Daniel Sturridge, had Steven Gerrard. And they just, they countered and they burned you on the counter all day. But Brendan Rodgers figured out you could not play a Barcelona style all season in England. Mm-hmm. Brendan Rodgers, as we know, was a very um, bullheaded, headstrong man who did not want to admit that he was wrong about anything. But he had to. Pep Guardiola is on another level of that because he is seen as the genius. Yes. Will Pep Guardiola? I think he's smart enough to do it. But that ego, men and their egos, Ed. Mm -hmm. Will Pep Guardiola adjust to English football or will he once again try to just plaster his style and say, my way or the highway? If he tries to do that in, it could be another frustrating season coming up for Man City. I give them a C minus, and the only reason they're above a D is because they finish in the top three. But um, from what we talked about, United having expectations earlier, from what was expected of Man City with the great Pep Guardiola, very, very under, under, underdone year for City. Um, in that beginning to their season of their first six, they won them all. Uh, the only one that was to a top six club was Manchester United. They did win at Old Trafford 2-1. Um, so they won their first one, two, three, four, five, six games, and then went to White Hart Lane and got smacked in the mouth 2-0 and never truly recovered after that. And that's the team we're going to talk about now, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, finished second in the league this year, one better than their uh, previous season. Uh, a record finish in the Premier League for Tottenham, a record in number of points. Uh, Fortress Whiteheart Lane sees them go undefeated there, 17 wins, two draws in the 19 games they played there in the league. Um, uh, the best goal differential in the league. Harry Kane becomes the first ever three-year one-hit wonder. Um, Dele Ali somehow about a third of the way in the season shrugged off the sophomore jinx um, and had a fine rest of the campaign. Uh, Christian Eriksen is becoming much more of a consistent star. And, oh, yeah, that defense is still pretty damn good. And they still didn't win the league. And, and added Victor Wanyama uh, and made him even tougher yeah. in the middle of the park. Yeah, yeah, that's defense. And, and this is, again, uh, Eric Lamella out for probably about 80% of the season. Danny Rose missed a lot of time. Harry Kane missed a month, two, a month twice during the season. Uh, Harry Winks went out uh, about midway through the year after he started to look very promising for Spurs in that midfield as another option. Um, this, this was a Tottenham team that did have some adversity thrown their way, did not have a very good uh, European campaign, Champions League and Europa combined. Uh, knocked out semi-early in the League Cup, uh, lost in the semifinals of the FA Cup to Chelsea. Um, so as we mentioned with United, Tottenham don't win anything, but they looked really, really good doing it. I'm going to give them a B-plus Simply because I think this is a a, a a club, and I speak in like the historical sense, that after last season's, and by 2015-16 is what I'm talking about, after the way that season f- finished and the, uh, the utter collapse, this team could have just been 
and with the way everybody else improved in the offseason, this team could have fallen apart and been back down to that fifth, sixth area. Instead, they bettered themselves. They bettered their finish. They kept going. And this season, when when they had the, the, the bad loss at West Ham, so that basically ended their title campaign, they didn't pack it in and I think beat their last three teams like 13 to one or something to, to finish the season. They finished strong when they could have packed it in again. Um, so, it, and at the end of the day, they didn't win the title because another team set a Premier League record in victories. Um, it, it's hard to say Tottenham really bottled uh, a chance to win the title when Chelsea just went out there and won it. And we'll talk about them when we wrap up our Premier League grades in a little bit. But for Tottenham, it, it's it's there's going to become a point in the road where they have to start winning trophies to really consider the Pochettino era a true success. But I still think this was a year of definite progression by this team and a lot of the players. And so I will give them a B plus. If they had if they had made the Champions League knockout stage, I think I would have gone to A minus. If they had made the FA Cup final, I might have gone to A minus. But those couple things just bring them back down to a B plus. But still a a fantastic season overall for Tottenham. Um Outside of basically a historic Chelsea season, as you said, Tottenham were good enough on many years to win the Premier League. Mm -hmm. It it just didn't happen. Let me say, you know, Tottenham had the amazing year. Um, Best young nucleus in the league by far. A lot of guys under the age of 26, 27. Great defense. They can score. Tottenham, Tottenham are, Tottenham are built right now to do some big things. A little disappointing in their outside of the Premier League stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, disappointed they didn't get out of the group stage of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to see them take a shot in the FA Cup. I think they took a shot. Don't get me wrong. I just think they got beat. They got beat on the semifinal. They just, you know, it just wasn't their day. They got beat on it. I don't think it's because they held back. Um, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic towards Tottenham with what I'm about to say. And I know I know that you, even as a Tottenham fan, you, you know that I, I don't have any ill will toward Tottenham. Oh, absolutely. I, nothing I say comes from – I mean, no – I mean, I have plenty of ill will toward, you know, United and those guys. But none really towards Tottenham. So you know what I say is, you know, it comes from what I'm really thinking about them. I am very worried that Tottenham are in a window right now that I don't know how much longer this window is going to stay open. Mm -hmm. I am really worried that Tottenham are somewhat having a golden generation and that they're going to waste it. Mm-hmm. Um, every year, every year that Harry Kane and Deli Ali and Christian Eriksen and Eric Dyer and Danny Rose and those guys, every year that they have fantastic seasons, 
it just seems like that's one year closer to them making some big moves. And that's just because historically that's what Tottenham have done. Mm-hmm. Um, they have shown a lot of ambition to lock up their, their top players, to lock them into big contracts. The problem is those are big Tottenham contracts. Mm-hmm. We have seen... We've seen. <laughs> I mean, God, look at what look at what is going on right now. I, I just I don't know if the big Tottenham contract is going to be what keeps guys in the next couple of seasons. Um, now, have you heard talk about there possibly being a takeover at Tottenham? Um, the uh, the, the Mark Zuckerberg takeover. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard about it. The club came out with a statement later that afternoon. It was basically not, not, not happening. At the end of the day, Tottenham do not have the money that Chelsea, City, United, probably Arsenal have. Liverpool are worth more as a club. You know, whatever that ranking is worth, Liverpool are higher up that list than Tottenham. Um, so, you know, the guys you really start to worry about, you know, Harry Kane seems that, you know, he, Harry Kane's a Tottenham kid. That cannot hurt them. That can only help in the long run. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, you look at Adele Ali, you look at Christian Erickson, you look at these guys, I mean, these guys, they bought them young. But, I mean, you know, they didn't grow up in the Tottenham system. And with modern football, we've seen it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Loyalty is dying in this sport very quickly. <clears throat> Pochettino's another one. You know, the, every year that Pochettino throws up a season like this, he becomes more in demand. There were talks possibly going to PSG this year. That mm-hmm. didn't materialize, thankfully, for Tottenham fans. Um, I just... I worry about Tottenham. I, it doesn't look, obviously it does not look like this summer is going to be the summer, um, which is great. Hey, hey, they're keeping the nucleus together. They're keeping they're keeping pretty much everything together, and they are working on adding some players, which is what they need to do. But I'm disappointed in Tottenham this year that they did not bring home at least a trophy, <clears throat> because you know there's an old saying at Liverpool, and there's it's a saying goes everywhere. Once you win a trophy. It, it becomes, it kind of becomes habitual to win trophies. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to win that first. I mean, you look at Chelsea. When Chelsea finally broke through and won, a, won that trophy under Mourinho, they started coming. They started coming. That's why I'm worried about it. United, you know, they won the two. Oh, they start coming. Um, if, if Tottenham can just get a trophy, mm-hmm. I think it will open them up to do some big things. But unless Chelsea start breaking their wage scale as well, I'm not saying Harry Kane's on the way out. I'm not saying Dele Alli's on the way out. But you've got you've got a lot of good players, a lot of good young players mm-hmm. that you've got to try to keep happy at Spurs. Yeah, and that that is why I'm I'm giving them a B. I'm giving them a B this year, and that's rough because they had an amazing Premier League season. Mm-hmm. But just, they were very poor in the Champions League. They were very poor in the League Cup, which that could have been on purpose. And at the end of the day, didn't get it done in the, didn't get it done in the uh, FA Cup. 
I'm giving them a B. And they are just barely not making B-plus from me. But I'm disappointed Tottenham did not bring home some sort of silverware this year. And I think there's I think there's going to be some pressure on them to do it this year. Mm-hmm. I think 2017, 2018, there's going to be pressure to win a trophy. And I'm not saying it's bad pressure. You know, I, I, think, um, I think teams like Tottenham who – they're a team that has grown together. And this is going to be about – this will be a, what, year four for Pochettino, I believe? Year three or year four? Yes. Year four. Year four. Okay. It, it's time. Yeah. It's time. He's built this team. He's grown this team. They have showed the um, – they have shown the ability to have a great Premier League season. It, it's time for them to step up and – and they need – I think they need that pressure on themselves – you know, for a few years now, it's been, oh, wow, we're doing so well. Hey, guys, you didn't win a trophy. It's okay. Now, I think those guys have matured. That's a group that's matured. They are ready to break through. I think this year is going to be very, very big in their development and very big, I think, for the future of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And unfortunately for them, they lose. They're going to lose that um, that Fortress White Hart Lane this year. Yeah. And that's why I think if they can if they can get through this season and and, and maybe pip a trophy somewhere, then all of a sudden, okay, now you're moving back to New White Hart Lane, or whatever it's going to be called. Now you're going to have that influx of cash from yeah, Facebook Stadium. Uh, hit like and subscribe. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have I believe close to a doubled capacity, and and let's. It, they just sold out every ticket, season ticket to Wembley already, which is like 50,000 plus. So people are going to buy tickets if you put a winning product on there. And oh, by the way, that's also going to be an NFL stadium. Revenue is not going to be hard coming to Tottenham in the future as long as they keep winning football matches. They're going to have that money. So if they can if they can get through this season, win a trophy or two and and keep that core together, then the next summer they can say, hey, Harry Kane. You you want to be the richest Premier uh, Premier League striker? Here's your money, Delhi. You want to be the richest uh, Premier League uh, young player? Here, take it. We'll pay all of you. We'll just make it rain on all y'all guys. You guys want trophies? We got money now. That's how we do. So I think that's how it's going to be for Tottenham. But they're going to have to have a fantastic season away from White Hart Lane this year in order to keep those guys around and convince them to keep this going forward. I just remember um, too with your wage scale. Remember, you you are a club that are known as the Yids. Yeah. It's not exactly known, though, but that checkbook. I would get a little racist here on the show yeah. this week, folks. Open so the next, checkbook, Daniel. Next week on KKK Weekly. Just kidding. Oh, man, we are going so long on this. Um, this lastly. Is, this is more important, really, than anything else we have to talk about. So. It's true. Um, let's end with Chelsea, then. The title winners. Uh, they, they are your 2016-17 Premier League champions. Um, had an absolutely abysmal start to the season. Uh, had to be saved in a couple matches late. Uh, had a bad loss to Liverpool. Had a terrible loss to Arsenal, as we described earlier. And still finished with a Premier League record for wins in a season. Uh, 93 points, 30 victories. 50, a plus 52 goal differential, second in goals scored and goals uh, conceded, or third in goals conceded. Um, Antonio Conte brought fire. Uh, N'Golo Conte brought steel to the midfield. And and this team looked re-energized. 
the babbies that they are uh, under under a new head coach. Time will tell how long this this newfound love lasts. But for one season, they did everything. I'm going to. You would think I would give them an A plus. They won the Premier League. I'm gonna give them an A because A they didn't win the FA Cup, and B they got to do this without a deep run in the League Cup and without European football. So they they pretty much only had to focus on the league. So they were, they set a Premier League record for wins. But it wasn't the toughest of schedules to do it. So I'm going to give them an A. Almost an A+. Plus, but just an A. Um, God, if you were neutral watching Chelsea, you'd be absolutely thrilled with what Conte did. Um, <laughs> I remember, Ed, we were, we were actually talking weeks back in September. Is Antonio Conte about to be fired? Yeah. Is Conte about to be fired? Um, and then, as you said, they set the record for wins in the league. Um, I think it really surprised a lot of people because I don't think he was an overly popular hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we remember back right, you know, there were a lot of people mocking Chelsea for hiring Antonio Conte. Um, but, I mean, you know, he went out, he, he had a plan, he had a, he had a vision, he had a plan, and... You know, he went out and he executed. Uh, that's it. It's not like, you know, Chelsea's last season, that 2016-2017, no, that yeah, 2015-2016 season for Chelsea was such an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Because it's, yeah, that was the Premier League champions the year before, and most of that team stayed intact. And you added N'Golo Conte, uh, Diego Costa got healthy. Really, Josie Mourinho josied himself out of that job. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really no other way to put that. He did his Josie Mourinho bullshit and got himself fired. He did not have a bad squad. That's why he can only blame himself. For I think Mourinho, the, the further you get away from that, the more you look back and you're like, oh, okay, that was... That was maybe like 80% Josie Mourinho just ruined that entire season for Chelsea. Um, Because, you know, the players, once the players got a clean slate, they were were fine. I mean, they were more than fine. They were great. I think we really undersold how good Chelsea could be. Um, I know we are not the only ones who completely lost our shit dying laughing when they re-signed David Luiz. Uh, we're not. Yeah. We're not the only ones. <laughs> um, but Conte obviously saw something that he could do with him, and David Luiz in the back three turned out to be a fantastic signing. Going to the back three was very risky at that point of the season. As we were talking about, you know, he, he was on the hot seat. He was the first manager to go. And if that top, if that three at the back had not kicked off the way it did, he mm-hmm. would have been gone probably by Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean that's where they were at that point. They were they were about to hit the panic button again at Chelsea, and that back three took off. They won thirteen straight. Um, 
and then they rolled the rest of the way. They they were good enough down the stretch just to cruise on home. But they went through about five months where they they were as good as anybody on the planet. That's how well they were playing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give them an A as well. Um, if they had pulled off that FA Cup win and gotten the double, it would have been an A+. Plus. But, I mean, there's just – in the league, there is – just not much you can say negatively about what Chelsea did this year and Antonio Conte. <laughs> now the key is going to be, and they're, you know, they're working on reinforcements. We'll talk about those in a few minutes. Um, I want to see what they can do now in the Champions League and then see what they can do while playing in the league with Champions League. Like you said, no Europe last year, same for Liverpool. So it's going to be something new for both those squads this year. Um, and the thing is, you would say, oh, Antonio Conte, great job. Well, that doesn't mean he has any real job security at Chelsea. That's true. Uh, we'll see if Conte's still there at Christmas. Well, if he is, um, he'll be able to still listen to our podcast here and maybe we'll even give him a midseason grade. Um, for now, though, we are going to quickly dug out and uh, take a word from our sponsors, but you're listening to the Foreign Affair Podcast. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. And back here on the Foreign Affair Podcast, Edward Green, Wes Bradshaw, as we hit news and notes, Wes, literal breaking news, and it's it's not great. Um, um, apartments for all of our cats. That's that's what we really remember him. Chuck Blazer, at the age of seventy five, has passed away. Um, yeah, I mean cats. He he was <clears throat> he was kind of Sorry, a punchline. I mean he was a punchline on Men and Blazers. Uh, mm-hmm. Chuck Blazer, kind of the disgraced. Chuck Blazer, I guess we'll say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't have much to add on Chuck Blazer. FIFA whistleblower um, after he was banned for life. Um, so it's, it's, he was the it's, state it's, general secretary yeah, for CONCACAF. Tell on people then, right? Yeah, general secretary for CONCACAF for 21 years, uh, starting in the late and uh, began in 1990. So Chuck Blazer dead at the age of 72. Um, we'll now move on to news and notes real quick. Um, a couple of reinforcements, as you said, coming for Chelsea. One right now so far is uh, Antonio uh, Rudiger coming over from Roma on a five-year contract. He comes in, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, because he's young, uh, will be going on loan to Crystal Palace for one year Chelsea to see if he can get some play. I know, it's crazy. Um, the two big, though, news stories, um, and no, Ames, you're not one of them. Um, we we got to talk about that sooner or later. I think that's incredible business. You want to talk about that? I'd like to throw it in there. I'd just like like 90 seconds on it. Go ahead. I'll, I'll give you 90 seconds on Hamas to Bar- uh, Bayern Munich. Okay. I mean, here's a guy who um, basically, if it wasn't for playing for Zidane and just not fitting in, is a world-class player who – Real were holding out on every Premier League club for 60 to 70 million pounds on. None of them were forking up that. And now he's going for two years to Munich on a loan with um, basically the, uh, not the option to buy, but the 
you know, they're obligated to buy, and they're going to get him for like $35 million. They're going to get him for less than Liverpool just paid for uh, Salah. Mm-hmm. And this is James Rodriguez. I mean, this is a guy who, folks, don't get it twisted. Coming out of the last World Cup, this guy was the hottest player on the planet. He can mm-hmm. play. It is only because Real Madrid are ungodly loaded that this guy didn't get on the field more. And he's now going to play for um, Ancelotti, who's the guy who brought him to Madrid and wanted him. He's coming to play for a guy who wants him again. Get ready. James is about to explode in Germany, I believe. I believe he's going to do great things in Germany. I think this is an amazing piece of business for Bayern Munich, especially when you look at that front. uh, Ribery, Robin, those are guys who who are injury prone. They're getting older anyway. They're kind of on their way out. And now you just replace, you basically got their, one of their replacements now with James, and you're getting him an absolute steal of a deal. I mean, I, I think it is amazing business from Bayern Munich. I think, mm-hmm. it might, I think it might be just for the price and for how good he can be. I think it's a sign of the summer. Well, uh, we're going to talk about two more signs, and, and we still have about another month and a half where somebody can trump that, but we'll see cold. if that... Yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, it's a little cold on this end, I guess. I guess so. Um, two deals we're going to talk about, both involving teams from Manchester. One of them actually got a player. Uh, in, the, in the nature of Manchester United, spending a ton of money on players that might not have totally proven their worth yet. Uh, Romelu Lukaku is going to United for about a bajillion dollar transfer fee um, from Everton. They swoop in, prevent him from going to Chelsea. Lukaku almost won the Golden Boot last year until Harry Kane scored 30 goals in his last three matches to deny him that. Um, Doesn't have the best of track records against the top six Though as far as scoring goals, um, and, and that's and that's that's exactly what I was going to call him, Wes. Is is that though what Manchester United need to replace Latan Ibrahimovic? Do do they get better because of this, or is this a eh? He's going to score goals, but whatever signing. I certainly don't think he's anywhere worth the amount that they paid for him. Of course, mm-hmm. in this summer, I don't think nearly anyone's <laughs> worth the amount of money they're being paid for. God almighty. Except Hamez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hamez, who's worth way more. Um, I, I mean, what they're getting, they're getting a, in his prime, Premier League proven striker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, th- I think one problem Lukaku had at Chelsea, in those big matches especially, was Everton were so overwhelmed in the midfield a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, God, I think there was a match they played Liverpool this year. I think he touched the ball literally less than ten times the entire match. Mm-hmm. And when he did, he was so deep. I mean, he couldn't do anything. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Lukaku's going to go to United and score goals. I, I just I think he's really, I mean, he's at best third choice for what United wanted this year. Mm-hmm. And then they still paid a massive fee for him. That's what I don't understand from United. Um they wanted Griezmann. Yeah. Griezmann stayed at Athleti. They wanted Murata. Real Madrid, I don't know what. Jesus, God, I can't figure them out. They basically give away Hamez, but yet Alvaro, Murata, they wanted 90 million pounds for Murata. 
or maybe it was 90 million euros. It was still a lot of money either way. But they basically, Madrid priced themselves out of that transfer. I think they were so confident it was going to happen and they could just milk United for whatever they wanted. They were just like, well, we're not coming off of this. You'll pay us. And then they turned around and got Lukaku, and now Murata's kind of sitting in Real Madrid going, shit, where the hell am I going to play next year? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say it's a bad signing by United. I mean, they needed a striker. Even though it does now, from what we hear, it kind of looks like uh, Zlatan may be re-signing after the knee injury. Is what oh, we've heard. I had not heard, I that. heard that. I heard that in the last day or so that he's talking about now. You know, he might just wait out the knee um, rehab and re-sign with United. Um, I mean, he's going to come in. He's going to start. He's going to play for him. I'm, I'm just – I'm not convinced that Lukaku is this world-class striker just waiting to bust out. I just think we would have seen it by now. He's a mm-hmm. good Premier League striker. I, I just – I don't think he's the be-all, end-all. Um, you know, Lacazette's gone to Arsenal. I don't think he's the be-all, end-all at Arsenal. Uh, it's just these numbers are so – I mean, they're talking about with add-ons that Lukaku's price would surpass Pogba's price. <laughs> And, I mean, this is Romelu Lukaku, who's not the best striker in the Premier League. Not the second best striker in the Premier League. Maybe the third best. Well, I mean, if you count Alexis Sanchez as a striker, he's not the third best striker in the Premier League. And you basically paid a world record fee for him. Actually, I think at this point, I think it's the fourth most expensive um, fee of all time. Nobody swindles Ed Woodward. Nobody. So, uh, you know, God, and now the worst part is him and Pogba are like already BFFs, and apparently they're just arguing over who dabbed first. Which really makes me just want both of them to fail even more than just being United players. Anyway. Well, another Manchester team did end up failing. Uh, this was actually while you were you were not recording live uh, here on the pod. Um, I pretty much announced that Manchester City had gotten Danny Elvis because it looked like that deal was done. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. Well, crazy. Nope. Danny Elvis, the 34-year-old right back, is going to PSG instead. Uh, PSG have swooped in. They have signed him away from Juventus. Um I mean, Danny Elvis had even met with Pep Guardiola last week at at, uh, at Manchester City, but apparently he's not. He is signed, sealed, and delivered to PSG. And now, if you're Manchester City, you've lost Danny Elvis. You were thinking you're going to get Kyle Walker from Tottenham, but now because of this, Spurs can basically ask for whatever they want. I, I mean, all of a sudden, City kind of don't have a right back anymore. Um, I think they still may feel that they have uh, Benjamin Mendy kind of as that yeah. big-time backup plan. But here's the thing. Benjamin Mendy was going to cost like £40 million. Pounds. Yeah. Danny Alves was not. Um, end of the day on Danny Alves, Alves said um, you know, his official reason was that uh, – you know, he said, I, I want to go somewhere and I want to win trophies. And I don't believe Manchester City are there. The real reason is because PSG offered to double the salary that uh, City were going to pay him. 
It's not bad. I mean, don't get this twisted. Come on. I mean, this is Danny Alves. The guy's got – I mean, he's won the Champions League multiple times at Barcelona. He's won La Liga. He's won Scudetto. I mean, what is what is adding the French Championship to your trophy cabinet really mean <laughs> at this point? When you had a chance to go to England and add maybe the Premier League to your trophy cabinet. No, just – dude, we know why. They're paying, it's his last big payday. They're paying him a shit ton of money. I mean, they're paying him <laughs> like he's in his fucking prime. But that's it. That's how PSG have to get guys now. Nothing against PSG. But, I mean, really, that's how PSG have to get guys because you're not getting that massive exposure that you get in Spain or in England or even in Germany or Italy. They have to massively overpay to get these top players. So, whatever. I mean, Elvis, hey, shit, you know what? I'd rather go – well, um, I used to say I'd rather go live in Paris, but Jesus God – stay off the sidewalks I guess um, I mean I'll take the massive payday over having to go to city any day so. <laughs> absolutely he's 34 He this is probably his last big payday that's might as well take it while you can get it um, so that's going to do it for news and notes Wes let's hit the watch for what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be oh my god I had something and I've totally freaking forgot you go oh, no. you're going over Oh, no, I got to go now. Oh, this is not great. Um, what did I watch? Oh, I know what I watched. I watched the new Spider-Man movie. i tell you what, that's a damn good movie. Shocking that I would like a Marvel movie, I know. But, man, Tom Holland is really good as Spider-Man. And Michael Keaton is really good as a bad guy. He was, he was not just a good bad guy. He was a believable bad guy. You understood why he was doing what he did. Great, well-written, fantastically multicultural, fuck you, Jezebel article that had to have the Jezebel editor come in and say, no, 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 it actually was very good diversity in the movie. Fuck you for writing that. Um, Great movie. And, oh man, maybe the best post-credits tag ever. In, in, the, in the Marvel movie history. It was fantastic. Didn't see it coming. It was amazing. Stay to the end. Stay to the all the way to the end. It's great. Keep it in mind. So. I'm going to watch it. I'll keep it in mind, though. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man's <clears throat> um, God, it seemed like I had something great, and I really cannot remember what the hell it was. Uh, anyway, though, just a few highlights of what's sitting on my DVR. Uh, first two episodes of Snowfall are in. Um, have not had a chance to see episode one yet, but now I've got one and two, two just recorded tonight while we were doing the pod. Looking forward to that. Um, there is a series on uh, the History Channel that started right now, a little mini-series. It's called American Ripper. Um, mm. And it is a, a guy who is seeking to prove that his ancestor, the famous U.S. serial killer H.H. H. Holmes, uh, trying to prove that H.H. H. Holmes was actually Jack the Ripper. Oh. So um, I've got the first one DVR'd. Uh, I will definitely be trying to get to that. Uh, let me see. I believe it's, I believe it's a handful. It's going to be a handful of uh, shows. Um, but I can't remember. It might be three or four of these. But uh, maybe it's just two. I don't know. Two or three, something like that. But it's a nice little documentary that I, I am looking forward to see. Um, there is a. There is a two-hour documentary the other night they came on called Amelia Earhart, The Lost Evidence. Um, mm. Apparently a, a photo has recently um, 
surfaced of Amelia Earhart, who um, my kids don't know who the hell she is, obviously, because they don't know shit nowadays. Um, and your your one name producer, Jackie, she teaches a real subject. She teaches them how to um, sing and use their talents. No one else teaches in schools anymore. Uh, that's another rant for another day, though. Uh, Amelia Earhart, of course, the famous uh, pilot um, back in the 1930s, uh, the first woman to ever circumnavigate the globe or attempt to circumnavigate the globe. She was down around the Solomon Islands the last time she was seen. It turns out there's photographic evidence now that uh, she had been captured by uh, Japan and uh, nope. potentially they felt she was spying for the U.S., which we're not going to say she wasn't. So, um, you know, just some new new evidence on that. That's just the kind of shit I like. Um, man, that's about all I got. But God, it just seemed like I had something absolutely killer. And it's, I don't see it on my DVR, and I could not remember for the life of me what it is. Isn't that frustrating? So frustrating. Doesn't that frustrates you. So. Well, Ed, you so know what I like to do when I'm frustrated? Get so raw. I like to strip down to my skivvies and pretend like I'm oiled up and grappling with men. You like to eat balls with big ass? Because, Ed, as you know, on this show, we love men. You do. You do love men. Hey, can we get so raw now? Sure. Did you you like those pictures I sent you? Jesus, God, that just made me shake my head even more. Still the greatest name to a pay-per-view. The greatest worst name to a pay-per-view of all time. Don't name something that they put into a way that can say eat balls. Oh, Don't do it. And then, uh, and then someone should have figured out that Colin Cassidy standing at that angle was, you know, I mean, the one letter of his name that he blotted out was the C. Yeah. Jesus, God. Big ass. Got a big ass. All right. Um, okay, folks, there has been hit ton of wrestling over the last few weeks we talked about last week i told you guys i was going to tell you i was going to talk about the the g1 usa um i'm going to do that i'm going to hit some highlights from great balls of fire i'm going to hit some highlights from the two shows this week let's start on the g1 oh my freaking god night one of the g1 usa was some of the best professional wrestling i have ever laid my eyes on um when, when you, when your main event was uh, Okada versus Cody Rhodes for the IWGP uh, Championship, that was a fantastic match. I mean, it was really, really, really top flight, and it was maybe the third best match of the night on that card. Um, the two big highlights were two first round matches they they were using this event to crown the first ever IWGP United States champion so they had an eight man tournament they had all the first round matches on night 1 and the highlight ones to me were uh, Naito uh, Tetsuya Naito and Ishii two Japanese wrestlers Naito if you've checked my Facebook st- or my Twitter status lately I need more Naito in my daily life this guy's just his, his mannerisms, his character, the things he can do, the, the, the things he can convey through his body language, through his face, through his eyes. I mean, he's, he is absolutely amazing. He, he may be the best heel wrestler in the world right now. 
he may be the best the best heel in the world. He leads a group called uh, Los Ignorables. God dang it. It's a Mexican name for a Japanese group. Go figure. Uh, but if, if, you get, if you get the chance to watch the New Japan, watch Naito. He is such... He, he just he comes off as like the world's biggest asshole, but he doesn't have to yell at anybody. He doesn't have to do all these things. He just he just does. Shit. He's that guy. He does shit. His match with Ishii was absolutely fantastic. Um, kind of upset of the night as Ishii was able to defeat Naito, uh, but Naito was an absolute star on the night. And then to me, match of the night, match of the entire two day event, um, Kenny Omega versus Michael Elgin. Um, when you look at him, Michael Elgin's about 6'1", and weighs about 340 pounds. <laughs> and just, you know, the guy looks like he should be playing defensive tackle for any number of NFL teams. He is He's in phenomenal shape for a big guy. He moves, he moves like he weighs 240 pounds. And then Kenny Omega... When we say this, Kenny Omega right now might be the best wrestler in the world. If it's not him, it's Okada, <laughs> who's the champion. And they, they had, of course, the first ever six-star match back at Wrestle Kingdom. But Omega Elgin was the show of the week, was the match of the weekend. Um, Omega finally gets him up for one winged angel, finishes him off. I would suggest if any, if if you want to see just a really 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 good professional wrestling match, where the psychology is just off the charts, everything makes sense for what they're doing. It's hard hitting. You literally, I had about a dozen oh my god moments during that match, where I like cringed at the things that were happening and, and screamed out loud. That match is phenomenal. Um, on on night two. Uh, they had the semifinals and the finals. Um, Ishii ended up defeating uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And that was a really good match um, in the semifinals. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is the evolved PWG and I believe the British heavyweight champion as well. Uh, and he's a submission specialist. They had a really good match. Uh, Ishii ends up beating him uh, with a brain buster. <coughs> uh, Omega ends up beating Jay Lethal. And what was a good match? I don't think any of them hit the levels of the two matches the night before. But um, uh, Omega won. And then in the final, Omega is crowned the first United States champion as he defeats Ishii. It was a good match. Don't get me wrong, a good match. Just kind of a come down from some of the earlier ones. But really good. Omega ends up winning. Uh, Okada retained his title against Cody Rhodes. The Young Bucks retained the IWGP Junior Heavyweight titles, uh, tag team titles. Uh, as a result of that, Trent Beretta from Rapongi Vice, um, he and his longtime partner Rocky Romero, Rapongi Vice officially break up. They do it in a very respectful way. Uh, Beretta's going on to work as a heavyweight single. Um, and uh, Tanahashi defeated Billy Gunn, held on to his IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Other than that, man, it was a lot of eight mans. That, that's what New Japan's kind of known for is a bunch of eight man matches. Um, I thought it was a fantastic two day card. New Japan goes long. It was basically back to back four hour days. Um, but the singles matches were completely worth it. Really, 
really good show from New Japan. Uh, and I think they've got a future running in the United States uh, when they want to. It's not going to be regularly, but when they do come, there's going to be there's going to be a ton of uh, pop for it, a ton of excitement. All right, great balls of fire. So great. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel after the wife and I share a bottle of wine. Um, my balls are on fire. Your balls are on fire. Yes, my balls are on fire, and she goes to bed. So whatever. It's like gonorrhea. <laughs> oh man, my wife. Um, yeah, I talked about last week. It was an absolutely loaded card, and I thought uh, they they lived up to the billing. <clears throat> it was um, it was good stuff. It, it was really good stuff. Uh, highlights of the night. We're just gonna hit the highlights. I know we're running a little long tonight. Um, highlights of it: the thirty man, the thirty minute Iron Man match, the tag team match between uh, the Hardys and Sheamus and Cesaro. Absolutely delivered, Sheamus and Cesaro. Searching. They absolutely um, delivered in, in that um, the uh, Seamus and Cesaro I don't see team. anything to connect. Check. Wow. Really need to turn that down. Uh, <laughs> they, they end up retaining the titles. Uh, really, really good stuff. A really good match. Uh, because of it, the Hardys... Um, they come out on Monday Night Raw, do a promo, and, and it looks like everything that everyone wants may be soon coming true. As they were getting a little broken in that promo. Oh. Oh. Delete. Deletion. Oh, final deletion coming to WWE. It would be just out of this world. It would be amazing. It would be magnificent. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I'm excited. Uh, bah, 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 big ones. Uh, Alexa, Jesus Christ, almost said it. I didn't. Uh, retained her women's title over Sasha Banks. Um, in the ambulance match that we were all somewhat shockingly looking forward to, uh, Strowman and Reigns absolutely murdered each other. Um, Strowman actually ended up winning the match. Reigns went for a spear. Strowman sidestepped and threw him in the back of the ambulance, slammed the doors, and ended up getting the victory. Uh, with that, Reigns came out afterwards and uh, beat the ever-loving bejesus uh, out of out of Strowman. Actually, threw him in the back of the ambulance, and then in in. A shocking moment, a truly shocking WWE moment, which yes, they still happen once in a while. He puts the ambulance in reverse and slams it into the back of a tractor trailer, tears the ambulance to shreds. I don't know how they did it. I mean, there were some camera cuts, so there was you know, obviously time for the big man not to be in the back. Um, and then Reigns leaves. After that, they have to bring in the fire department to like pry open the door to get Strowman out. Strowman comes out of the back of the ambulance. He is bloody. He is beaten. He can barely walk. But of course, in true Braun Strowman fashion, he is he will not leave on a stretcher. So he kind of just disappears into the night. Um, but just, I mean, carnage, absolute carnage in that match. It's worth going back and watching. If you just want to watch an ass kicking. Totally worth going back and watching Reigns and Strowman that ambulance match. Um, 
Lesnar brought Lesnar ends up retaining his uh, Universal Title over Samoa Joe. Another, yeah, I told you I was excited for that match. It wasn't a long match; it was probably about ten minutes. But what those two got in there, I mean, once again, they made it look so badass because just who they are. Fantastic match. Uh, uh, Joe had Brock in the Coquina Clutch. Brock stands up out of it, puts him around his shoulders, hits an F5, gets the win. I don't think we're done with that um, going forward. Uh, Joe feels he wants another shot at the title. Reigns is supposed to have a shot at SummerSlam. So we're going to have a real – we should have a really good build to SummerSlam with those guys in there. Don't forget Braun Strowman is still lurking around somewhere. So Roman Reigns always going to have to watch his back. Um, as for SmackDown itself, I'm not going to so much talk about the show as the brand. Um, the WWE, when they run Madison Square Garden two or three times a year, that's kind of like the traditional home base for WWE throughout mm -hmm. pretty much like the last 50 years has been Madison Square Garden. That's pretty much like the biggest venue that you can work in professional wrestling is MSG. They've made kind of a habit of, you know, now they run it as a house show. It's a house show. It's not televised. It's just it's the in-house show. Um, they have kind of made a history over the years of giving you extra at MSG. And this year they have shot the world as Kevin Owens drops the U.S. title on a non-televised house show match <gasps> to AJ Styles. And from everything I've heard, everything I've seen, it was a fantastic match, as you would assume those two would put on. Battleground is coming up. Uh, that's going to be the last pay-per-view before SummerSlam is going to be Battleground. I believe it's in about a week. I think it's not this Sunday, but it's not this Sunday. I believe it's next Sunday is going to be Battleground. Uh, and we're going to see, I'm guessing we're going to see uh, Reigns and Styles, but there's also a spanner where it could be John Cena in there as well. Uh, there, there's a lot of different moving parts still to get ready for that one. But Styles shocks the world at the house show, wins the U.S. title. And then I'm going to tell you, man, there's, you know, usually summertime for wrestling is when things kind of go dormant. Mm -hmm. Buddy, they have heated up here in the month of July. As the temperatures have gotten hotter, the wrestling world is picking it up. Right, when you have a show called Great Balls of Fire, it's it's the epitome of it. Man, it's literally on fire. And why we're all safe. It's McMahon's a genius. He knows what he's doing. Of course he is. Never question Vince McMahon. God, question him, but don't be surprised when it blows up in your face. Like Great Balls just blow up in your face. Insert McMahon reaction gift to stripper. Great Balls of Fire. Oh... I wish this was a video podcast so we could put that gif up there now. Oh, speaking of great gifts, this podcast is just about to wrap up. So let's uh, start heading the road here. I want to give one more shout out to our sponsors, NGSE Sports and NGSEsports.com. We never stop as well as I'm Next USA. You can find them on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter. As a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are? At Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via the all-new sports show. That's our parent show. Uh, you can also email us at that address, allnewsportsshow at gmail.com. 
Uh, as always, this podcast is powered by Zencaster, and you can find it on all great podcast providers, including the iTunes Music Store, Google Play Music, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Podbean.com, and much, much more. We'll be back next week to talk um, more Gold Cup crappiness. Sure. And uh, we have a couple news stories that we've been saving for a while, so we're finally going to be able to get to those. And, of course, there will be plenty more uh, silly season signings. That will be taking place in the next week. And, uh, but until uh, well, then. Of course, yeah. for, the, for the next two weeks, uh, <clears throat> I believe I'll be doing my uh, recorded contributions. Of course. Of uh, course. Right, folks, uh, back, to, back to serving the public and saving lives. Uh, but hey, folks, <laughs> let's, let's take a quick look at my next two Wednesdays just to make sure. Uh, yeah, there's a 3A to 3P to 3A. And. And, yep, 3P to 3A. So, sorry, not going to be able to get in on those, but I will have you guys something those days. Oh, don't worry. We'll be making sure to get so raw, of course, those days. And uh, that's going to pretty much, I believe here, if I can look at a calendar real quick, that's going to about take us getting close to the start of the season. Yeah, Yeah, August 2nd. And I believe first week is... uh, the, is it the 12th or the 19th? Um, it's the 12th. Um, Arsenal is actually opening the season on. Uh, they're going to play some Friday night football. Oh, yes. Which means uh, Arsenal has a chance to be in first place for. On oh, the 11th, Arsenal will kick off. Liverpool play the 12th. Uh, we play the first match that morning mm-hmm. uh, against Watford. We open the season Watford. at Vicarage Road as we take on Watford. I believe we are opening the on the road the next day at 8.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. Eastern Time, the Cannons time zone, at, uh, at Chateau Nouveau, I believe, is, is where we're going to be heading. So, and, uh, uh, Liverpool's big one in August, a uh, little Sunday football action, as we will travel to the, uh, the Emirates to take on uh, the Woolwich Arsenal. Try to see if we can still uh, keep our fantastic record intact against the uh, top six. I believe our big match in uh, August is week two when we have to play Chelsea. Uh, so. Well, and after Arsenal, we, uh, it looks like, um, yeah, the next week we play, uh, well, it looks like there's an international, oh, there is an international break the first mm-hmm. week of, uh, the last week of August, first week of September is an international break, go figure. And then uh, Liverpool come back and they host uh, Man City. Oh, two weeks and then international break. Well, three, three matches in international break. So. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I see what you mean by last day walks. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, we will definitely be talking much more about that when we rejoin live here. We'll be previewing uh, Premier League. We're actually going to give you Premier League previews, and we'll be making more predictions. That will be great, just like my uh, Manchester United to win the league or Wes's West Brom to finish 18th. There will be, be more great predictions. <laughs> Or my David Moyes is going to stabilize Sunderland and make him a make him a mid table team. Yeah. yeah, you didn't even have Sunderland in the bottom four last year. I had him finishing like a solid like twelfth or something. Oh man! I really thought Moyes was going to be the answer. Oh. Uh, yeah. The answer is. Well, maybe that mistake with David Moyes ever again. Oh, you probably won't get the chance to. And that is McCullen Crime, Wes Bradshaw. I'm Eric Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on episode 166 of the Affordable Fair Podcast. To that we say good night and enjoy the football. Good night, Tranmere. It was a lovely run out for the Reds.
Yes. It wasn't too bad. And good night, Chuck Blazer. Oh, forever. New bearded catty fool. No. Oh, don't say that too loud. The cat's gonna the cat's gonna wanna come in the room then. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.